What is up, everybody? Happy Christmas week. Here for this week's Thought Load, as there's two left, for me anyway, for the end of the year, which is crazy to say. And we'll be hitting our goal of hitting 100 episodes, uh, sorry, of publishing 100 episodes this year, which has been awesome. So thanks to everybody for for the support and for, for listening and, and giving feedback. So as we get into the new year here, one of the things I always think about is is I got to expand my book list. Yeah, I want to read something, get back in the get back in the stacks of books yeah, that that I have, and I wanted to share a book that I actually just picked up two days ago. Did a good bit of reading through, and that's a book called Chop Wood, Carry Water: How to Fall in Love with the Process of Becoming Great. It's by Joshua Medcalf. Now, this book caught my eye because over the last week or so, um, reflecting on the the turn- golf tournament that Nico and I just played, um, you know, not experiencing great results, but still having a great time. It was just thinking about the high expectations that I have for myself, which are a little unjustified given the amount of work. Uh, that I put in this year, at least in in regards to golf. And I think when we set high expectations or, or demand greatness of ourselves, of ourselves, I mean that's that's a good thing to have. It's better than being, you know, oh I don't care how I perform or and being lazy with it. But I don't think that you can hold yourself to a super high standard when you're not in the grind, when you're not in the trenches, doing the work, and. So I needed a I need a little wake up on falling in love with the process, and that that title just hit me pretty good. And so I wanted to share a couple things out of the first you know quarter of the book or so as as I've gone through it here. And the first part is in the second chapter, and it's a great story that he tells. So quick background, just so you know, a little context. Uh, books about a guy that goes to. Uh, Japan to train to be a samurai archer and he's learning all of these lessons from his his trainer his his sensei uh, in the in the samurai way of life and so his sensei tells him this story he says there once was a man named Koda who built some of the finest houses in all of Tokyo his work became world famous due to his dedication to the process his willingness to beat on the, his craft and his relentless devotion to keep learning, even late into his career. Eventually, though, Koda grew tired of building homes for other people, and he was ready to retire. He had been building homes for over 30 years, and he was ready to move on. He wanted to travel and spend lots of time with his grandkids. One day, Koda approached his boss and turned in his two-week notice. His boss said, Koda, we are forever indebted to you for the magnificent work you have done for our company, and we are so grateful you have worked for us for so long. We do have one favor to ask you, though. Could you please build one more house? It is a very important house for a very important client, and everyone in the company agreed it needs your special touch. Code was frustrated. He would have to cancel two trips and postpone his new life all for one house. He told his boss that he needed a day to think about it. After talking it over with his wife, he gave in and decided he would build one more house, but he told his boss this is the very last one. 
But while Coda had agreed with his head to build this last house, his heart was no longer in it. He had always been very hands-on through the entire building process, always selecting the finest materials by hand and making sure every detail was diligently tended to. But this house was different. He viewed it more as an obligation than an opportunity. He delegated much of the work, and consequently, a lot of things started slipping through the cracks. The house would be up to code, but as it started to come together, it was obvious that it lacked the wow factor that Coda's other homes were known for. Coda knew in his heart that this was far from his best work, but he was over it and ready to move on to the next phase of his life. The next phase was much more appealing and important to him than the present moment. After four months had passed, Coda finally finished the house. He went back to his boss telling him, I did what you asked. Now I'm asking one last time for your blessing to retire. His boss said, thank you, Coda. We just have one more thing. Now Coda was beginning to get really upset because he thought they were going to ask him to build another house. His boss reached into his desk and pulled out a very small black box with a red ribbon tied around it. He handed the box to Coda and said, We are so grateful for you, Coda. This gift is a token of our appreciation. Coda pulled the ribbon, opening the box to discover a set of shiny new keys. His boss smiled. The house is yours. You deserve it. Immediately, his heart sank. Unbeknownst to Coda, the whole time he had been building his own house. If he had only known the house was his own, he would have cared so much more. He would have only used the finest materials, and he would have overseen every detail and given it his all like he had always done, but now it was too late. And so Sensei summarizes in talking to the main character, John, the only thing that is truly significant about today or any other day is who you become in the process. Think about it, John. What good is it to reach the top if you skip steps to get there? Would you want the person flying your plane, performing your surgery, or handling your money to have cheated? Each of us are building our own house. Sometimes you might think you are building for your school, your family, your company, or your team, but you are always building your own house. I hope you build it wisely. So I read that story and I was like, damn. <laughs> I mean, that's that really puts it into perspective, at least for me, and I, I hope you, you all got a little bit of, of what I did out of that, that being present and not always thinking, trying to get to the next thing, what's the next promotion, what's the next thing I buy, what's the next stage of my life, and before you know it, whatever stage that you're in is going to be gone, and if you don't give it its proper attention, you're going to end up in a crappy house, (laughs) like Coda did. And so at least for me, when, when reading that, it's, it's like I need to pay a lot more attention to the finer details of the process and enjoying it and understanding that everything that, that I do, everything that we try to do to get better, uh, it's, it's one more brick on our house. You know, it's one more window. We can't just put the roof on without walls, can't put the walls up without a foundation I mean, you get the picture, <laughs> but it'll destroy my brain trying to continue down that metaphor, but I love that piece. And so the next, the next little part here, 
I think there's two other little parts that I wanted to share. One is in a chapter that's titled, Nothing is a Test. And when reading that chapter title, I thought it was interesting. And uh, I definitely feel like, as I've talked a lot about before, you know, the obstacles that we face, everything that comes our way is a test. And we can either pass it or we can fail it. And I was really interested to kind of read a different opinion on it. And so in the middle of a training session, the sensei stops John and he says, John, you keep getting in the way of your own potential because you keep seeing everything as a test. The secret is to understand that nothing is a test, but only an opportunity to learn and grow. Many people never fulfill their potential because they look at every situation in life as a test. Over time, the person who is simply focused on maximizing what they can learn and how they can grow will become much greater than the person who sees life as one continual test to prove themselves. Everything is an opportunity to learn and grow because remember, you're building your own house. And I think that kind of like pulls together two ideas that I had, the one that I had just mentioned and then also is that you know we, we never lose right we either win or we learn and I guess this kind of takes it another step removing the win and say you're just growing and you're learning you know even even a win and, and they kind of reference this at a different point in the in the story that I've read so far is is that everything is there to just have a experience. It's a pretty crappy way to summarize that, but it doesn't matter if we win. And when we do win, we can't get too high. And when we do lose, we can't get too low. It's, it's keeping that, that even keel, that, that, um, you know, good head on your shoulders. You're not over exaggerating your wins and getting, you know, to the clouds, but everything is just right, right in the middle. I'm just the word I want is escaping me. <laughs> but when we think about everything that is that we would think of as a test and reframe it to that nothing is a test, it kind of incorporates a little bit more freedom, right? It, it, to me, it initially takes off a little bit of pressure, you know, uh, a work, um, meeting or a presentation that, that you're leading, you know, obviously you want it to go well. It doesn't have to be this, you win or you lose, you fail or you succeed. It's you grew in your presentation skills in your speaking skills, and you may have learned a few spots where you need to prepare more. And so now you're better off for the next time. I mean, that's, that's a win in my book, right? I mean, even if it didn't go as well as you had hoped, or it didn't, you didn't get the reception from everyone that you wanted. Uh, I think when we focus on the positives that we can take away and that it's just another notch in our belt, it's another step in the process. You know, it's another piece of wood on our frame of our house. I think it takes a lot of pressure off us. And I think it can reduce a lot of stress that we put on ourselves day in and day out. Damn. All right. Uh, last, last few things here is something that, uh, I have a strong opinion about, especially in the, the social media landscape today and the, the political landscape 
is this concept of identity. And when we identify ourselves as a political party, or we identify ourselves as our career job title, and not our name and who we are as an individual, then we kind of lose the ability to think for ourselves and make conscious decisions. Because a lot of people that I have run into or just in scrolling through social media is they they just subscribe to the whole laundry list of thoughts, beliefs, and values to whatever they identify themselves with. And I don't know if that's because they don't like who they are or they don't feel that they have things to offer because they do. Everybody does. And so maybe they escape to uh, an alignment and, and vertically align all of their their morals and values with said identity that they're choosing. But anyways, uh, there's a great chapter about that here. And so Sensei says to John, who would you be if everything you do was taken away from you? And the context here is John hurts his shoulder uh, during a practice session because he practiced too much and couldn't shoot for a while. So he kind of removed the identity of himself being a samurai archer because he can't practice for six to eight weeks. So he says, who would you be if everything you do was taken away from you? And he goes on to say, my value comes from who I am, not from what I do. The truth is that your value is constant. It is priceless and it never truly goes up or down based off of results of your performance. Your value comes from who you are, not from what you do. Every human being is infinitely priceless. When your identity gets wrapped up in what you do, it clouds every decision you make. That's a good sentence there. I mean, that's exactly what I was just talking about. I mean, when you align yourself to a particular set of beliefs that you identify with that aren't necessarily your own, every decision that you're faced with becomes cloudy, becomes convoluted. And so I think that's all that I wanted to share there. Anyways, again, that's chop wood, carry water fantastic book so far. And I think there's a lot of great lessons in here that no matter where you are at, especially if you are where I am, where you have high expectations and high performance goals and you're results based like me, and I'm trying to get away from that and enjoy the process. This, this book is great for falling in love with the process of what it is that you're trying to do, because that's, that's what matters. And being able to push through when things get uncomfortable, because again, think about building your house. You're just putting one more piece together. Every, everything that you come across, everything that you do, every training session you go to, every educational video you watch, every conference you attend, it's another notch in the belt. It's another piece of your house. And even when it's uncomfortable. So I want to end here with this from, from this book here. It says, people who get average results persist until things get uncomfortable, then they quit. 
People who get good results persist until things get painful, then they quit. People who get world-class results have trained themselves to become comfortable when it is painful and uncomfortable. You can't cheat the grind. Hope everyone has a great, happy holiday season with their friends and family. Thanks again for, for tuning in and being with us this year as we hit a lot of our goals and uh, excited for what next year brings. We'll be dropping a few new exciting things in the new year, so pay attention to that. Dualtheday.com, at Dualtheday on Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow along with that as well. Subscribe to the website. So thanks again, everybody. Again, hope you have a wonderful holiday season, and as always, begin the duel, win the day.